All right, Boker Tov. We have the privilege this Shabbos of reading Parsha Shoftim, which is fantastic, as is every other Parsha in the Torah. But I love Sefer Dvarim. As I said when we began Sefer Dvarim, Sefer Dvarim is a Musar Sefer. There's incredible uh, you glean from it. It's it's uh, Bali Musar would learn Sefer Dvarim not just when we read it in the summer fall time. But really, they would read it all throughout the year because what greater Baal Musa do you have than Moshe Rabbeinu himself? So let's begin. We're going to begin from the beginning of the Parsha. Which is a good place to begin. And I don't think we've covered it before. Do you have it highlighted? No. Right? Okay, good. Welcome back, first of all. How are you? Shoftim v'shotrim titein l'chol b'chol sha'arecha asher Hashem alokecha nosein l'chol l'shvatecha v'shavtu es ha'am mishpat tzedek. Just for those listening, a reminder that our class is text-based. We try to go through the commentaries and analyze and delve into the verses themselves. So, shoftim v'shotrim. Anything strike you about this verse? Shoftim v'shotrim. What's the difference between shoftim and shotrim? Rashi tells us. Shoftim are dayanam haposkim esadin. Shoftim are judges. They adjudicate the law. They legislate the law. They decide the law. Shotrim harodin es ha'am achar mitzvosam shemakin v'kovteim b'makil v'retzuat shikav l'alavas din ha'shofet. They're the policemen. They, it's in parentheses, but they, uh, they've got their nightsticks and their tasers and their mace and their guns and they basically are imposing figures enough that we listen to those judges. And if you had one without the other, the system would fail. As one of the Mepharshim says, to figure out which one, I saw it in. But that one without the other, it fails. You could have the, the most intellectual, bright, uh, innovative judges legislating the most important and significant laws. But if there is anarchy and chaos on the street, if there's no policemen, then you accomplish nothing. You could have wonderful policemen. But if the judges, are, if there's no judges, if the policemen do not stand for a system of justice, but the policemen represent... Uh, brute force and they represent their own each one is their own corruption, c- corruption then the system doesn't work the Torah in, in, in a time which was very primitive had a very advanced understanding that in order to have a system you need shoftim vishotrim you need judges and you need policemen so anything strike you about this pasuk? textually well the judges are first Judges are first, okay? That, that, that's not necessarily a question that you have to interpret why that is. But grammatically, so I'll share with you. Shoftim Shotrim, it could say Titain. Why is Titain Lecha? Why Lecha? For you. For whom? Who's Moshe referring to? Titain Lecha. It could say Shoftim Shotrim, Titain. Singular. Singular. It says Bechol Sha'aracha, in all of your gates. Why does it have to say Bechol? Why doesn't it say Shoftim Shotrim, place judges and. Uh, policeman titain b'sha'arecha. Why titain lecha b'chol? The words lecha and lecha b'chol and the word b'chol seem extraneous. Asher Hashem l'kecha nosein lecha l'shvatecha. So again, it seems extraneous that God gave you according to your tribes. That whole thing. Why don't we say shoftim v'shotrim titain b'sha'arecha l'shvatecha v'shavtu esa'am mishpat tzedek. Why esa'am v'shavtu ha'am Mishpat Tzedek. So there's a lot of questions mishpat just on the opening passage. What is Mishpat Tzedek? Mishpat means law. Tzedek means righteousness. So what's going on in this whole in this whole pasuk? So let's look through Rashi. We read the opening Rashi. Let's continue in Rashi. Bechol Sharecha, Bechol Ir Vair. In every city, Lishvatecha Musav Al Titein Lecha Shoftim Veshotrim Titein Lecha Lishvatecha Bechol Sharecha Shem Hashem Lekach Nosein Lach. And as Rashi was bothered by our question, he doesn't really answer it, but he says. Cut and paste. See the word lishvatecha as going on b'sharecha. In other words, titein lecha, give judges and policemen in each of your tribes, in each of your dwellings. B'chol sharecha, in all the places that God gave you. Lishvatecha malamed shemoshivin dayan lachashevet b'shevet b'chol v'ir v'ir. Gemara Sanhedrin understands from lishvatecha that it's not enough to have judges in one centralized place. It's not enough to have national, federal judges. You need state judges and city judges and local judges. Every city and every tribe needs its own judges. Now that's true because you need them to be local and it's true because each one has its own culture and they need to know the, the culture uh, of the people. But Sharecha, interestingly enough, he's also translating it as in his ear. Ear of the ear, every city. Correct, right. Abishavtu Esa'am Rashi says, Manei dayara mumche mitzadikim lishpot tzedek. Abishavtu Esa'am, appoint expert judges who are righteous because only righteous people can reach righteous conclusions 
If you're corrupt, compromised, you're not righteous, we'll see in a moment, then you're not going to reach righteous uh, conclusions. So, um, so that's how Rashi interprets this first, uh, in first Pasuk. But some of these words were extraneous. I mentioned he didn't really address those questions. So look at... Uh, look at the Kliyakar. Look at the Kliyakar. Says the Kliyakar, Hayalomar Veshaftu Oscha Kimilas Oscha Tavobimakam Titain Lacha. It should have said, instead of Veshaftu Esa Mishpatzedek, should have just said Veshaftu Oscha. We know where we are and who we are. Why did it have to say Titain Lacha? God is giving you these judges. It should have said Veshaftu Oscha to judge you, and we would have known. Furthermore, yes, the Kliyakar, Yishpatu means in the future tense, these policemen and judges will be in force. They will adjudicate, supervise, enforce law. Vishaftu is not a future tense, a commandment. It doesn't, it doesn't come across as a command. Vishaftu comes as an observation. Vishaftu and their judging. Ask the Kliyaka, why is the verse that's commanding judges and policemen not formulated in the form of a command, but in the form of a observation? So says the Kliyaka, Biyar inyan hi, Shepasak zetziva lemishyesh sipok biyado limnos dayanam shiyimna osam amenash yudayanam velayachnifu afilu lezam amana osam vezeo shenemar titein lecha This is not a mitzvah, says the Kliyakar, incumbent on the total Jewish people. This is a person who has the capacity and the capability to appoint judges. That you should appoint them because they are worthy and because they are um, credible judges, not as a form of flattery, not as a personal favor. Right? How often do we see in, in the government system? That there are appointments which are favors, which are politics, rather than being what's in the best interest of the people. So, and that's why he says lecha. Kliyakar's understanding, for you, you need to be cautious and you need to be judicious and you need to be vigilant and you need to be honest in the appointment. And if you're honest and there's no bribery involved, there's no favoritism involved, there's no flattery involved, then they'll have the capacity to achieve justice for the people. And that's why the conclusion of the verse is, if you are judicious, if you are honest, in the appointment of judges, then then you could be rest assured that there'll be justice served. Right? Again, the Kleokra's question was, why the Shaftu? It's a Vishbatu, a commandment, and they will judge. You are commanded to judge. Why the Shaftu has an observation and they'll judge? So he's answering by saying, the Lacha is not going on the whole nation. You, the nation, are obligated and mandated to appoint judges and policemen. Lacha is going on to those who are responsible for appointing judges and warning them. Again, brilliant insight. You see this all the time. Warning those who have the ability to nominate judges. Don't ever use this power to return a favor or to earn more power or as a form of flattery. But you need to be honest in the appointment. And if you're honest in the appointment, then v'shaftu esaham, as taka in observation, then you could be rest assured and confident that justice will be served. Says the Kliyakar of Lunchitz. Right? The Kliyakar of Lunchitz lived in Lodz, I think. Where did he live? The Kliyakar? Kliyakar of Shlomo Ephraim Lunchitz. I'm sorry, he lived in Lemberg. He was a rabbi in Prague, one of the leaders of Polish rabbis in the early 17th century. He lived 1550 to 1619. So in the 16th century, the Kliyakar in the early 17th century, 16th and early 17th century, bemoans the fact that in his time in Poland, in Lemberg, and in Prague, he says, look what we have in our Minag Doreno, in our generation. Anyone who has the power to appoint a judge, you know who they appoint? A relative, a family member, or someone that they know. As if they have, 
as if he has um, conspired with him. I'll make you a judge, and here's what I need from you. So it corrupts the entire system. Why? Because the person who appoints the judge, then their kid appears before that judge. Is the judge going to throw the book at him? Of course not. So the judge is going to end up having a different judgment for this kid than for everybody else. And that corrupts the entire system. The whole system becomes corrupted. It's almost as if the Kliyakar suffered from this in the 17th century, saw this happening around him, and that influenced his reading of the Pasuk and to formulate his commentary, which of course I'm not suggesting is inauthentic because of his circumstances, an authentic commentary, but it was inspired by his circumstance. So he's bemoaning what he sees as the corruption around him, and he says that's what the Torah is warning. Furthermore, whenever we see, you know, the Jewish people are referred to by so many different na- names. Eida, Kahal, uh, Am, Bnei Yisrael, Adas Yisrael, there's so many different names. When we're referred to as the term Am, nation, usually it's a hint, he says, Rishayim, there's something wrong. The nation were a bunch of whiners and complainers. You see, the term Am there is used in a negative, excuse me, sense. V'razal, our rabbis taught in Avos, in Mishnayis, when the uh, when the litigants stand before you, they should appear to you as if they are guilty. So it's another play on words. He says. Judge the Am. When they stand before you, don't show favor. View them as probably guilty. And only if you've been able to determine their innocence, then Mishpat, through Mishpat, Tzedek. So you see, Veshavtu Es Ha'am. When you're judging, see them as Ha'am, presume guilt, the opposite of our system in America, presumed innocence, presume guilt, but through mishpat, if through justice, you find them to be innocent, then, the Pasuk ends, tzedek. V'shavtu esa'am, through mishpat, then tzedek. That's how he's reading this Pasuk. So a very interesting uh, kliyakar, a very interesting uh, interpretation of the, of the kliyakar of what's going on here. Question. Yes. Um, yes. Speak loudly so they hear it on the recorder. Who's appointing judges? Great question. The Kliyakar leaves it very ambiguous. Kliyakar is kind of leaning it right, and the Chumash. Maybe. Uh, yeah, but at the time of the Chumash, there was no king and there was no leader. No, I understand, but even before a king, you had to have uh, Shoftim. Yeah, so likely Moshe is the one who appointed. Sanhedrin appointed? I don't know. Sanhedrin, Moshe? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. The Ramban seems to make a very big difference between Shorecha um, and Shivtecha. That it seems to say that each neighbor has its unique status culture. That, that right, we'll get to that. We'll get to it one second. We'll get to that one second. But before we get to that, I have a much more basic question. What is this doing here? What is this doing here? How did we end last week's parsha? We ended with the Shalash Regalim. We ended by reviewing all the Moadim, the holidays of the Jewish people. What does the holidays of the Jewish people have to do with Shoftim Mishatrim, Titan Lachabachol Sharacha? What is this commandment? You need judges, they have to be honest, be honest in your assessment and appointment. You need policemen who are going to enforce the judgment. What's the connection? Says the Ibn Ezra. Just hold off, hold off on the comments only because the people who listen want to say the, they, they can't hear it becomes a problem. Says the Ibn Ezra. Even though in truth every mitzvah is independent and is separate, Nevertheless, it's incumbent on us to try to find a connection. Tam shoftim, the reason for shoftim, afa pishat achayv laleches. Shlosha pamim lamaka makoanim mishar seya mikdash. Visham tishal meachukim amishbotim. Lo yaspik lecha achi lecha shoftim. Becholsharecha. Last week's parsha ended with the mitzvah of Aliyah Laregal, three Shalash Regalim. Three times a year you go to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the holidays. So what might a person think? I save up my questions. I save up the trial. I save up the conflict resolution to when I go to Yerushalayim. When I go up three times a year, that's when I ask my questions. That's when I achieve justice. Says the Torah, no. Titein l'cha, 
Bechol She'arecha. Yes, we have a centralized authority of the Sanhedrin who sit in the Beis HaMikdash. Jerusalem is the seat of power, but we don't concede that every municipality and city and tribe also have their own um, local system of justice as well. So that's the connection between the end of last week's Parsha and the beginning of this week's Parsha, at least according to the... uh, to the Ibn Ezra. The Sforno says something similar. After we gave the mitzvahs to the uh, general population, much this is what you were saying, now we command those who are going to enforce it. In other words, we gave the generalities, we spoke to the nation, we gave the umbrella mitzvahs, but now who's going to make it happen? You can have all the ideas in the world, and you can have all of the principles in the world, and you can have all of the framework in the world, but who's going to make it happen? So now we see, through this parsha, the shoftim, the judges, the king, the priests, the prophets, now we are starting to delineate all of the leaders who are responsible to implement the law, to implement, to oversee, to achieve justice. Because, says the Svarna, if it indeed is accomplished, then it's a feather in their cap. But if indeed it's not, and society is corrupt, society is lacking, then that too is a reflection of the leadership. In a time in which there was deep corruption, he names all these people. All of it was the responsibility of the leadership who did not make sure that justice was served, who did not step in and make sure that there was no corruption. Okay, so that's what he sees as the connection for the previous parsha. Okay. The, uh, the Ramban gives an introduction to this section here as well, and he talks about, as George was just alluding to. Says the Ramban, When you have an issue, you bring it to a judge. Right? I've mentioned a number of times the term Elohim, we use as a name for God, but literally is a word for judge. You could refer to a human judge as an Elohim. And indeed, when we use that name to describe God, we're describing God's attribute of justice. Hashem Elohim. Hashem is mercy. Elohim is justice. <laughs> You can't have Beisdin outside of Israel. Why is that? Because the Beisdin, a rabbinical court, requires, at least at the time of the temple, requires smuchim, people who have smicha. You can only have smicha in Israel. In Israel. Real smicha, not the fake thing that I have. Real smicha, I half jokingly say that. What's real smicha? Real smicha was Ishmi Piish Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, Moshe down the line would bestow smicha, ordination on the next. And it was in Israel, only in Israel. We've lost the capacity. First of all, the chain was broken, as well as the continuity in Israel. And therefore, the smicha that we have today is an accreditation. It's a certificate that you've accomplished a certain area of knowledge. You've been tested in a certain area of study. But it's not the smicha in the sense of uh, authority of power, because one is been uh, bestowed that power, endowed with that power from their predecessors through this uninterrupted chain. He, he's not saying that he can't have Bezdin, but he's not required the point. No, no, so I think what he's saying is, no, you don't have Bezdin, but you could have Shoftim. Yeah. There's a difference. The Ramban is saying you don't have Bezdin and but what happens if you have a conflict? This guy says you borrowed 10 bucks, you never paid back the 10 bucks, you pulled out of your parking spot, you hit my car, what do you do? So you could either travel to Israel and find a Bezdin, or you could have Shoftim in where you are. The Rambam, he quotes the Rambam in Sanhedrin, that we are not commanded to appoint Dayanim outside of Israel. Um, skipping to Vatam Lashvatecha. First he quotes Rashi, we have to appoint these judges and policemen every tribe. Asked a great question. He says, what do you mean? Lishvatecha can't be coming to tell you that you need in every tribe. How do I know that? Because I already know that you have to have in every city. 
So if every city has a, has a court, then what do I know de facto? Every tribe, tribe has a court. In other words, if you already give me the detail, then you don't have to give me the broad. The, the, what's the opposite of detail? General. The general, thank you. So you said every city has, then obviously there are cities in every tribe. Every tribe is going to have. So what, what does Lishvatecha really mean then? Asks the Ramban. So what it must mean is, says the Ramban, that if one city is divided among two tribes, in other words, one city is in the portion of two tribes, half of it's in one tribe, half in another, like Yerushalayim. Half of the city of Yerushalayim is in the tribe of Yehuda. Half of the city of Yerushalayim is in the tribe of Binyamin. Why did Binyamin get merit to have Yerushalayim in his tribe? Now says the Gemara because he was the only tribe to be born in Israel. Does that make sense? No. Why did? Maybe in Yerushalayim. No. So one second. Why did Binyamin merit to have the Beis Hamikdash in his portion? I think it's what she said because there was no. No, no, no. It had to do with his being the only one born. No. He was the only one born in Yerushalayim? I don't remember. No, he was born in Derek Yeah, he was on the right, but Derek Bethlehem. So that's how it's But the others were Yeah, the others were also born. I don't remember. I remember the question, but I don't remember the answer. That's how the Tech the battle. So why do we have this differentiation? It says the Ramban, you have local courts in each city, and then you have a court for the whole tribe. And even though the court system is the same, it's 23 judges to a court that adjudicates um, capital crimes. Three judges for a financial dispute. But nevertheless, it's telling you that the greater the greater judges are appointed to the higher court, namely the tribal court. A person can only force their... Uh, adversary to come to the Beisden in their city. So the city is localized. But the tribal Beisden could force anyone in their tribe, even in another city, to come before their Beisden. So the Ramban goes on here with a number of differences between the courts that you'll have in the city, state, federal, and so on. Very similar to the system that we have here in America. Probably not coincidentally. Okay, continuing. Continuing. Look at the Orachayim HaKadosh, Mishpat Tzedek. What does the term Mishpat Tzedek mean? Right, we said they should judge the nation. Mishpat Tzedek. Mishpat means law. Tzedek means righteous. Says the Orachayim, Velohom are bit Tzedek. It shouldn't be Mishpat Tzedek, it should be Mishpat Bit Tzedek. Nobody asked this question. They should judge with righteousness. What does it mean, judge righteous? Should be judgment with righteousness. Bitzedek. So as we see in Vayikra, Bitzedek Tishpot Amisacha. Pasik says elsewhere, with righteousness shall you judge your neighbor, your friend. Kan So says the Orachaim, you see here a very important idea for somebody who wants to judge with righteousness. Says the the following is the way that judges should judge. When the plaintiff and defendant, when the litigants stand before you, make it impersonal. They're going to each present their case, and when you then go back and meet to decide the law, don't 
have the conversation, is Ruven right or Shimon right? Well, Shimon was compelling, but Ruven was emotion and passionate. This one, say to yourself, what's the law? First establish the law. Make it impersonal. It's not about the people that are there presenting the law. It's about what's the law. Each of them have a claim. Well, what's the law when each of them, when there's two opposing claims presented? Make it about defining and establishing the law, not about these particular people. That's what it means. Judge the nation, mishpat. If you give mishpat, if you're concerned with concluding the proper law, tzedek, you've achieved righteousness. A brilliant insight by the Orachayim HaKadosh of Chaim Benatar. He says, if you fail to make it impersonal, then you can't help but becoming biased. Because at the moment that you're hearing two people present, one is very put together, the other schleppy and schlubby. Once walks in and before you start the court case, says, oh, I, I went to camp with your father. How's he doing? And the other is a complete stranger. One is uh, articulate and eloquent, and the other has a broken English and their grammar is miserable. You can't help but be influenced by all of these variables if it's personal. By making it impersonal, by saying it's not about any of those factors, by when you go back to meet to decide the law, you say, it's not about Reuven and Shimon. We're going to call it A and B. What's the law? This guy says he lent 100 bucks. The other guy says he paid back the 100 bucks. We're not going to talk about Reuven and Shimon and who's right. We're going to talk about what's the law when someone says he lent 100 bucks and someone said he paid back 100 bucks. And says the Orachayim, if you can do that, this is what the Pasuk is saying, Vishavtu Esa'am, if you can judge the nation in this way, Mishpat, I'm sorry, Vishavtu Esa'am, Mishpat, if when you're judging the nation, you're judging Mishpat, you're concerned with the law, not the people, Tzedek. Then you'll achieve Tzedek. I read a book by Phil Jackson, the greatest, most winningest coach in NBA history, just retired. So he wrote a book called Sacred Hoops, which was about leadership, because it was when he was coaching the Bulls, or the Lakers, both. I don't remember. It was that when he was coaching the Lakers, and he was describing, you know, there's fewer times that you have to exhibit great leadership than when you got to try to inspire and motivate a group of 12 overpaid, spoiled, ratten, brat, competitive, selfish, egotistical, power-hungry athletes, right? Getting them to work together is very difficult. So he writes a very interesting, he writes a very interesting book. And he makes a very important insight there. He talks about when you're trying to lead people, or when you're working on behalf of an organization, an institution, a team, a community... He says, you need to articulate the values so that if you disagree, it doesn't become personal. In other words, if you talk about on our team that this is a value for our team, then if somebody's done something to, to violate the value, you're not criticizing them personally. What you're saying is our team has a rule, I'm making this up, our team has a rule that we pass three times before anyone shoots. So when you say to somebody, you didn't make that third pass before you shot, you're not saying you're a hog, you hog the ball, you... What you're saying is, we have a rule. So the same is true, he talks about, you know, uh, a committee. He says when you're leading a committee, if the committee says, let's define our objective, and let's define our methodology, and let's define our... Now we can make it impersonal. Because very often what happens is it becomes very personalized. Somebody on the committee, you never take my opinions, you never listen to me, Why my opinions are always shot down right away, it's rejected. No, it has nothing to do with you. When the opinion is valuable, it fits into the framework we've all agreed upon. That's great. This is not the framework we've all appeared So the more that you depersonalize something, the more success you're going to have. So that's similar to what the uh, Orachayim is saying in terms of a court and in terms of judgment. You have to depersonalize if you're going to get results in leadership, if you're going to get results in justice, it has to be something which is depersonalized. Okay. Okie dokie. I guess we should get past the first Pasuk, huh? It's a star.
There's always next year. Okay, next pasuk. Let's go to the next pasuk. Yutes lo satem mishpat lo sakir panim velo sikach shochad ki ashochad yaver inecha chamim v'salef divrei tzadikim. What's the pasuk? You shall not pervert just, justice, judgment. Do not show respect to someone's presence. In other words, don't be favor. intimidated or favor. You shall not accept a bribe because what do bribes do? They blind the eyes of the wise and they make just words, excuse me, crooked. Anything grammatically stand out for you here? Why is that even necessary when he told him to judge and respect tzedek? Well, now we're defining tzedek. We told you mishpat tzedek. How, what is tzedek? Tzedek is don't show favor, don't be intimidated, don't accept bribes. But notice there's a vav. It says, Lo satem mishpat. Don't pervert judgment. Lo sakir. It's like a list. Lo sakir panim. Don't be intimidated. Vilo sikach shochad. And don't accept a bribe. What's that vav doing there? What does that vav tell us? To emphasize. Well, the vav. That action involves another person. All the others are inner. Okay, that's interesting. In other words, being intimidated is something you feel. Perverting judgment is something you would do. Villo is, is something that happens with someone else. Okay, beautiful explanation. So I saw... Visalef. Well, the visalef is, is part of the verb there. Visalef divetzadikim. It makes righteous words crooked. So if you look at the... I'm sorry. Oh, the Kliyakar. Lo sita mishpat. I told you I, I, I brought the wrong chumash. I wasn't able to mark it up. So I don't have anything marked up like I usually mark up. Midelo kamar velo sakir panim bivav velomar velo sikach shokav bivav. So lo sakir panim, it just says do not. It doesn't say end. But when it comes to the bribe, there's the vav. It says end, don't accept a bribe. Shmamina shlo sita velo sakir kolachad milsabape nafshe. Don't pervert justice and don't be intimidated. These are two independent mandates. Avalosi kachshochad told us shalosakir panim. But don't accept a bribe is a subcategory of don't be intimidated. So the vav is connecting it to the second one because indeed it doesn't stand on its own. It's a subcategory of don't be intimidated. How is it a subcategory? Don't pervert judgment. Don't be intimidated by someone's presence. And don't accept a bribe. How is it connected? And don't accept a bribe too. Don't be intimidated by somebody's presence. Says the Kliyakar Lafisha Ashirim Nikruup Nehaaretz. It said Lo Sakir Panim. Don't show favor to somebody. What's a Panim? Is a face. Literally, it means a face. It's a face. The Panim, by the way. Why is Why is Panim? Why is face called the Panim? First of all, it's plural. But why is it called a panim? Because it reveals your panim. In other words, how you're feeling, what's going on inside your heart, your elbow doesn't reveal. The back of your head doesn't reveal. Your kneecap doesn't reveal. But your panim, your face, your panim, your punim, is a reflection of your panim. It's a, so anyway, so who are called panei ha'aretz? Who are the face of the land? Ashirim, the wealthy, the rich. So when it says, don't be intimidated by the panim, by the face, so whose face? The wealthy. Don't be intimidated by them and don't accept a bribe from them. Now you understand the connection. When are you susceptible to accepting a bribe? When are you vulnerable to the influence of a bribe? When you're impressed by the face of a rich person. When a person walks in and what strikes you right away, oh, that person's wealthy, they're rich. But when the wealthy person, their wealth means nothing to you. When there's zero difference to you between a person who's wealthy and a person who's on Tom Cheshavis, you're not vulnerable to accept a bribe because you're not impressed by the wealth and you're not vulnerable and you're not taken by it and you're not swayed by it. So, lo sakir panim. Don't recognize a face. Whose face? The wealthy. Don't recognize and be impressed and be intimidated by the face of the wealthy. And if you don't, 
then then you will not be vulnerable to accepting a bribe. Okay? Now, why is it called shochad? This is great. Koyakar here. Shochad is the Hebrew term for bribe. <coughs> Look at the next paragraph. Veloshon shochad amru razal. Our rabbis in Ksubas, Tav Kofei, said the language of shochad comes from shehu chad. When you accept a bribe, you become indistinguishable from that person. That you and he are one. The word shochad means when you accept a bribe, you and he become one. Shochad. You and he are now one. You're one. You're on the team of the person who bribed you. Says the Kliyakar, I don't like it. Now, by the way, it's one thing to say, I don't like the Orachayim, I don't like the Rashi, I don't like, I don't like the Gemara Ksubas. Okay, but that's the, that's the Kliyakar. Share Shochad, Shem Hamamun, Veloshem Habailam. He says, the reason I don't like it is because it says, don't accept Shochad. Shochad's describing. A, no, it's describing the, the object, not the person. It's describing the money, not the person. So, so it, it can't be. Because the person then becomes one with the individual who bribed them, you call the money by that name? No, I would say, yeah, that makes sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to the Kliyakar. Why didn't it make sense to him? Because he wanted to give a different shot. In other words. So listen to what he says. The word chad could mean one. The word chad also means sharp. Chidud is sharpened. Miloshan Barzal Babarzal Yachad. Kiha Mamon Domelasakin Mechodir Hachotech Mehera. Money cuts like a knife. Money is sharp. It cuts like a knife. By the way, what, uh, what's the, the Torah, the Talmud uses a certain word for money? Damim. Damim. When the Mishnah refers to money, money changing hands, it refers to money as Damim. Blood. Why? Because money is our life. First of all, you need money, as unfortunately so many know right now, to live, to have a roof over your head and food in your mouth. You need money. But also because people, it's their sweat and their tears and their toil and their effort that earns them that money. That's why there's actually one opinion. We don't follow it. We know there are three cardinal sins that you can't violate. Better to die than to violate. One of them is murder. Shvichas damim. You're not allowed to kill. So some say you're not allowed to steal even if it means your life. This is what's known as the Heinz Dilemma. Not Heinz the ketchup. There was a philosopher named Heinz and he posed the following dilemma. He said, if, uh, let's say you're, you're going to die if you don't get access to that drug in that pharmacy. You can't borrow money. No one will lend you. You ask the pharmacist if he'll give it to you. You don't qualify. And you are going to die if you don't get that drug. What is, is it ethically correct or incorrect to break into the store and take the drug? if it's going to save your life. So there's a whole question in philosophy, there's a whole question in halacha. It's a fascinating question. If you've given a class on it before, I could give it again. But I'll just share with you that there's one opinion, exactly, my fly is here. There's uh, one opinion. There's one opinion that, um, that you're not allowed to steal. Better to die than to steal. What do you mean? Where does it say in the three cardinal sins that you can't steal? So the opinion says, it says it in, don't murder. That when you steal, it's the equivalent of murdering. Because when you take someone's dumbim, when you take something that they worked for, that's their sweat and tears, that's a piece of them, that they need in order to live, it's as if you've murdered a piece of them. So you're not allowed to steal. Better to die than to steal. Now again, we don't follow that opinion, but that is one opinion. So says the Kliyakar, that it's called shochad. Shochad, the root of shochad is chad, means sharp. Shochad is a description of the money because money is chad. Money is sharp. It cuts like a knife. A judge specifically can never cut like a knife. A judge needs to go slowly, methodically, think it through carefully. The judge can never rush to judgment. But what happens? What does shochad do? Shochad, it makes him chad. It makes him rush. Why does he rush to judgment? Because he quickly already knows who's right. Who's right? The money. The person who gave the money. 
Very interesting. Okay. So that's the uh, the Kliyakar's interpretation. So he quotes the Gemara, which I happen to prefer. Shochad is shahu chad, that the judge and the person who gave the bribe become one. And uh, his interpretation, shochad is, chad means shah. So you're not, that's the... Uh, that's the Kliyakar's understanding of the Vav. Accepting a bribe is a subcategory is a subcategory of don't recognize upon him, don't recognize the rich. If you're impressed with wealth, you're now vulnerable to a bribe. You're now vulnerable to, to, uh, to being bribed. Okay. Now this is a, 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 a rule for judges. For judges. Not for people. What do you mean by that? Right, so in, in life, one should not, one should try not to get intimidated by wealth, because we have to issue judgments all the time. Who are you going to be friends with? Who are you going to, you save a seat next to you for? Who are you going to? If you're a teacher in a classroom and you know that your kid's parents are wealthy, oh my goodness gracious! So, uh, so it's it's a rule for life, not just for the judge, but that favoritism perverts justice. Favoritism is is uh, is destructive, and causes damage. Okay. Vita. Rush also says you shouldn't stick up for the poor person, <coughs> saying that um, I have to because he's downtrodden. Right, right. That's true too. Don't show favor. Favor can turn bend both ways. Don't fa- show favor to the poor person because you know oh, where they grew up and they had no, uh, and therefore you got to let them off. Okay. Next, tzedek tzedek tirdof pasukaf leman tichyav yerashtas aret asher Hashem alokecha no sein lach. My, uh, my brother and my sister's husband's father is a federal judge in the state of New York and at his swearing-in ceremony he spoke about this verse and over his desk of his uh, federal office uh, is this verse Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof Righteousness, Righteousness shall you pursue So of course the obvious question is what do you mean righteousness, righteousness? Yeah, why? We have a little Moshe Rabbeinu had a stutter here? Righteous, righteousness? What, what, what's going on? Why the redundancy? So Rashi says, Tzedek 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 Halach Achar Bezdin Yafa. Tzedek 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 In the pursuit of righteousness, find a righteous Bezdin. Don't just go. Now this is very important in our times. There are all kinds of Bezdin, but they didn't today. Many unfortunately are corrupt. Many are unqualified. Many are incompetent. When you're pursuing justice, tzedek, tzedek tirdof, pursue a venue and a forum which will indeed provide <laughs> that justice. Who said the righteous where they come from? Rashi, Rashi. So you have to make sure that the basin that you are using, employing, is a just one. That's Rashi's reasons. Um, the medrash is a very beautiful medrash. The Medrash says something which I think is also critically important. Tzedek, bitzedek tirdof. Very often in life you see people who take on a noble cause. And in their pursuit of justice, they trample all over justice. In the pursuit of that cause, which they become so zealous over, that, right, it becomes the only worthwhile cause. And they cut corners, and they mistreat people, and they violate all kinds of other ideals and righteousness in the pursuit of that righteousness. You see this all the time. There are all kinds of organizations with justice in their name, social justice, and they're so committed to it that they indeed violate basic rules of justice like due process. Like due process. You know, I spoke about this when the agri-processor Rabashkin issue was at its height. And, uh, and, and I spoke about this because I thought, listen, in, again, I'm not going to editorialize here and share my opinion. In the end, he was found guilty on many things, and, and there should be accountability for that guilt. But many rushed to judgment before there was due process. And all kinds of organizations with social justice in their name wrote articles and, and, and spoke all about how the Jewish people should be accountable. They hadn't even had due process yet. There had not yet been a trial. So, tzedek, bit tzedek, tirdof. You can't be so excited about your noble cause in the, in the pursuit of your noble cause that you're going to trample all over justice in the pursuit of it. Again, you see it in a million ways. People who are so excited about environmentalism, they're so bent on that. They're so bent on uh, fighting Agunot. They're so bent on fighting uh, all very worthwhile, noble, very important. But you can't become so blinded by the one noble cause that in the pursuit of it, 
you're violating all kinds of other noble Principle. principles and causes. So Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof says the Medrash, Tzedek, Bit Tzedek Tirdof. In your pursuit of righteousness, don't forget righteousness. Don't forget to carry yourself with righteousness. So that you can merit to inherit and to live on the land that God gives you. What's the connection? Says Rashi. Because if you have corruption, you can't live with corruption in Israel. Israel is a place which does not tolerate corruption. It's not a ha-ha, it's true. And unless we improve and repair it, God forbid in our time, we will suffer from it. Rockets continue to fall overhead and a bid at the UN for a unilateral declaration of a state and right in our backyard there is a new um, at FAU disaster brewing a new student organization receiving money from FAU which means our tax dollars called Students for Justice in Palestine who who, who the president of this student group has been part of protests calling for a third intifada it's right in our own backyard. So Israel can't tolerate corruption, and unless we get rid of our own corruption, we have a lot to work on within our own camp, then uh, God forbid we're going to have trouble. Okay, continuing. We have time for a drop more. Lo sita lecha asher kol eitz eitz al mizbach Hashem alokecha asher taaselach velo sakim lecha mateva asher sanei Hashem alokecha. Two more psukim to end this parak. You're not allowed to plant an idolatrous tree, a tree that's worshipped next to the altar of God, and you're not allowed to place a monument that God hates. Idolatry. Here's a reference to idolatry. So of course the obvious question is, what in the world is idolatry? This is the end. You just, I'm, I'm inspired. Justice, righteousness, judges, policemen, accuracy, shochad, bribery. Well, don't be impressed with wealth. And... Don't plant a tree of idolatry next to the Mizbeach and don't have a Matzeva. What in the world does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? It's another perversion. So look at, look at the Kleyakar. Quotes a beautiful Medrash, first of all. But Medrash Omru, Medrash Ntvarim Rabbah. Ki bekisei Shlomo HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon sat on a throne. And there were six steps that led up to the throne. He had to walk up six steps to ascend his throne. By a kasavah kol echad, and each step going up to his throne, a verse was written. Losita, what is it? The, the first step it said, Losata mishpat. The next step, Alasheni losakir panim. On the third step it said, Losikach shochad. On the fourth step it said, Losita, don't plant the tree. Alchamishi losakim, don't. Uh, and Ashishi Bach don't uh, worship, which is the first pasuk of the next pair. Then incredible the imagery. King Shalom and Shlomo Amalek sat on a throne. There were six steps up to the throne. On the face of each step were these six verses of a leader of a judge. Don't bend truth. Don't be impressed by wealth. Don't accept a bribe. Don't plant a tree of idolatry. Don't establish a monument of idolatry. And don't worship idolatry. These were the six steps. So what does that mean? What did he see when he approached his throne? These six principles. They were on the face of the steps as he was walking to his throne to walk up the six steps to his throne. Right? The imagery of the Medrash is incredible. But the Kleyaka wonders as we do. The Chomaskil Yistome Malamara what in the world does don't plant a tree of idolatry or a monument of idolatry what does that have to do with King Shlomo what does that have to do with judges what does that have to do with justice so how do we know that the Sanhedrin, the judges, the, the, the court, 
needs to be clean of any blemish. That they have to be people who have no blemish. Because you learn the juxtaposition of verses one next to the other in the book of Dvarim. So what do these six things have to do with each other? Says the Kliyakar, where was the Sanhedrin? Where did they sit in the temple? It's very interesting. I would have thought, right, in, 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 in Washington, you have the, the House of Representatives have their chamber, the Senate has their chamber. In, in here you have in Yerushalayim you don't have different buildings for the temple with its righteous religious uh, practice and the Sanhedrin with its court but it was all housed in the same place the Sanhedrin the court was in the Beis HaMikdash was next to the Mizbeach was next to the altar why was it next to the altar? a little reminder what's the reminder? true justice true justice is not subjective. True justice is not relative. True justice is not the um, result of human creativity and human debate. True justice is remaining loyal and true to Hashem's version of justice, to Torah and to Torah law. Now you understand the connection. Stay away from the idolatry. Because the moment that you're willing to walk away from God is the moment you're willing to pervert justice. Because if you want to remain loyal to true, authentic justice, then it is predicated on loyalty to God and that real justice comes from Him. If you're not committed to understand that real justice, that real law is an extension of God's will and it's human will, so then once it's human will, now you're willing to play with and bend and distort all kinds of justice. So says the Kliyaka, the connection between these rules of justice and these three verses about not doing any uh, idolatry, the connection is is the source of justice is God's will. The moment we think it's human will is the moment we become susceptible to bribery and to perversion and to distortion. And that's why Shlomo Amalek remembered walking up to his throne, these six things go together. That the seat of power, you can't, if, you worship, if you're willing to abandon God and worship other things, if you're in a seat of power, who will you ultimately worship? Yourself. Yourself. So if you remember the rule, don't worship anything else. Nothing else has power. All of this justice and all of your power, it all comes from Hashem. That will be a reminder of where it all comes from. Of where it all comes from. I remember one of my rebellion in Israel, who's now actually going to YU for the next two years, Rav David Miller, so he was a Rosh Kolo of Griskolo. So he, when he became Rosh Kolo, he, uh, he had on the back of his door of his office hanging a set of Tachrichim. If you know of David Miller, he, he put up a set of Tachrichim of shrouds. Every time that door closed, he was alone. I could look at it. He would remember. I think I'm a Rosh Hashiva. I think I'm a Rosh Kolo. I think I'm uh, all that. In the end, it's all in the end I'm buried in the same outfit as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have pockets. You can't take it with you. So when Shomal Malach would ascend to his throne, that's what he would remember. And when the judge would ascend to their bench, what they need to remember is they are the conduit for divine justice. And they are not a source of their own human justice. Because if they do, then they're going, if they start thinking in that way, ultimately it will lead to a perversion and distortion of justice. Have a fantastic Shabbos.